Good morning, uh, afternoon, evening. Uh, Zion, thank you for joining us again this Sunday. Uh, let's begin our worship service together as has become our, our tradition and just be present for 60 seconds. Follow your breath in, follow your breath out and trust in God's presence. Allow God to gaze upon you and rejoice that we can be together in this time. Let's begin. Amen. And let's begin now with our call to worship. And thank you, uh, John Austin, for helping with this uh, this Sunday. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask of you, O Lord, and that I will pursue to live in your house all the days of my life, to behold your beauty and to seek you in your temple. Let us pray together. God of our hearts, we know that we do not see clearly with our eyes, nor do we hear clearly with our ears. What we fill with our skin may not guide us as well as we would have hoped, and that which we smell or taste may bring us pleasure or disgust but you are in, around, and through us in miraculous ways that offer us a chance to know your endless love for us. Help us to experience your love. Help us to share it with all of creation. Amen. This week, Carly and Mary Grafey have agreed to provide music for our service.
Thank you, Mary and Carly. Uh, the scripture readings today are taken from uh, the first book of Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 13. Another one of those familiar stories that we all know and we all remember. Uh, God is seeking a new king and has Samuel uh, go to find that new king and anoint one of Jesse's sons uh, in Bethlehem. And uh, a lot of people are nervous about that. A lot of people are afraid of the ramifications of that, uh, Samuel being one included. Um, but you remember the story. He goes and Jesse's sons all come out and uh, are not the one to be anointed. Uh, and uh, David is the one they kind of left behind. Uh, but those, uh, those first 13 verses you can read in Samuel, I'll, I'll kind of pause things here and allow you to do that. Uh, the second uh, is another passage that we all know and love from uh, John's Gospel, ninth chapter, and, and we're going to read uh, today the first 41 verses. Um, and Jesus uh, encounters this blind man uh, around uh, the perimeter of the of the temple there, where people uh, traditionally gather that are in need of help or in need uh, of healing. And it's a, a a story of Jesus restoring his sight. This person. Uh, this man was born blind, so it's something that he had uh, dealt with his entire life. Uh, and so we will read uh, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. I'll pause and allow you to do that. So I'd like to begin this week uh, relating a story that I know I've shared with uh, those of us who gather on Saturday mornings uh, for meditation um, but it's an interesting story, and I think it works to kind of introduce some of the things uh, about the Scripture this morning that might bear fruit for us. Several years ago, I was uh, in the uh, you know days and, and, and weeks of preparation for uh, serving communion in a church for the first time. I'd never done it before, and I was worried about it. And uh, during those times, I used to go to uh, St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison. And there was a, a good friend of mine, uh, Hugh Kiefer, who was one of the monks who lived there. And I can remember uh, I went up there during the week knowing that the Sunday uh, that was to come, I was going to serve communion for the first time. And I remember sharing with Hugh uh, my reservations and you know all those all those things that we believe about ourselves uh, I'm not good enough to do this I'm not the one uh, who should be standing there and serving the elements and uh, I remember doing my best to articulate that to Hugh uh, and I, I yeah I think I was looking down at the time because I wasn't measuring his reaction but when I did look up and uh, I looked across the room where we were sitting together, uh, Father Hugh was laughing. And, uh, you know, I kind of looked over and I'm like, you know, really? I'm spilling my guts to you here? And, uh, and his answer I've never forgotten. I've drawn strength from it uh, a lot of times since. 
He said, Eric, you're not the one who makes the ritual holy. Uh, and of course, the idea was that, you know, no matter what you say or no matter what you do, no matter how bad you mess it up in your own mind, it doesn't matter because there's a depth. And it has to do with the intention of your heart and the space that you make available uh, for yourself and for those taking part in the ritual uh, for the presence of the living God. So a lot of things going on in the surface of our lives, things that make us uncomfortable, things that make us worrisome or fearful, and particularly now, I know you all feel it just as I do. And so I want to talk about, uh, you know, all the dynamics included in those kinds of circumstances in our lives, the dynamics of uncertainty, fear, uh, a lack of control that makes us all uh, really uncomfortable. And, you know, there are a lot of lengths that we would go to to avoid feeling like we have no control over our lives or the outcome of our lives. Uh, and the other thing is the, the capacity or the need to blame somebody, even if it's ourselves, uh, and how sometimes that's tied up in the memories of ourselves. You know, that, that voice that tells us we're not good enough or we're not the ones who should be doing this work. So it's a good time to examine those kinds of dynamics. Um, in, in a way, we're kind of we're kind of forced to do that now, you know, whether you call it, you know, quarantine or uh, whatever the situation we're in, uh, we are kind of forced to go below the surface and, and find some meaning. It's more than just making the best of a difficult situation. It's looking at what is right here in front of us and it's an opportunity uh, to do that. So this, uh, this first passage from Samuel, many of those dynamics that I, uh, I just talked about are, are present in, that, in the relating of that story to us this morning. Uh, for Samuel, there's a fear of Saul. He is asked by God to go anoint one of Jesse's sons, and he's worried uh, how Saul, the current king, is going to take that. So there's fear. Uh, when he uh, reaches the uh, outskirts of Bethlehem, the people that come out and meet him, they're, <laughs> they're worried. They're fearful. Hey, are, do you come in peace? Uh, so there's fear present there. Uh, if you read the passage, it says that uh, there's some sort of ritual performed with Jesse and his sons, a, a preparation to make them ready uh, for this anointing that is surely to come. So uh, all of the sons and Jesse go through some sort of ritual cleansing or some sort of prayer uh, to make them fit, to make them ready uh, for what Samuel has been asked to do or commanded to do by God. And it's interesting. It's one of the things that I noticed in reading it this week. David wasn't a part of that. You know, they left him back. 
tending the animals. So on the surface, there's a lot of things we think we have to do. A lot of, you know, whether that's memorizing something or going to a worship service or, or living up to this standard or that standard. Uh, apparently there's something deeper that God is concerned with, the intention of our hearts. So beneath the surface, the one that wasn't sanctified, the one that wasn't prepared, the one that wasn't the tallest or bravest or whatever was going on with those other brothers, that's the one chosen. So all of this stuff that happens on the surface, fear, a lack of control, uh, a reticence to trust that there is some guiding principle, God is active beneath the surface, all of this stuff is there for Samuel and the people that were there uh, to see the new king anointed. Beneath it all is the depth, the presence of the living God in a way that is different than any of us can imagine. Well, it should be the tall guy. It should be the good-looking guy. It should be the oldest brother. It should be the one that's already been sanctified by Samuel. Somebody's gone through, got the right degree, or said the right things, or learned the right things. Not so. It's David. In the passage from John that we read, uh, such a great story begins with this man who's been blind since birth. And it begins with a discussion of, of the disciples with Jesus. They're wanting to assign blame. They're wanting to assign some sense of control to this story. Okay, who's to blame? Why is this guy blind? Who's at fault? Well, that is a familiar dynamic to all of us. I mean, turn on your TV. <laughs> Go to a website. Everybody's trying to blame somebody. It's got to be somebody's fault. And that gives us some sense of control over this situation when in our most honest, vulnerable moments we recognize we have no control over this right now. And we're not comfortable with that. So whose fault is it? Why was this person born blind? Where did this virus come from? Who can I blame? It's not the point, Jesus says. There's something more simple here. There's something more immediate here to be revealed by this sense of uncertainty, by that which we fear, that which reveals to us our lack of control. There's something here to be seen if you'll just allow it to be revealed. Depth. And it's a simple remedy, a, a mud poultice. And what's important for us to recognize is that the healing, the transformation that occurs, this person that goes from being blind 
to not being blind is co-created. And what I mean by that is Jesus made the poultice out of the mud, put it on the man's eyes. If it was just Jesus doing it, then it would have been immediate. Oh, bam, I can see. But Jesus offers the opportunity for us to co-create. He tells him, okay, now go wash in the pool and see what happens. And we know the, you know the rest of the story. He goes to the community pool, this place of healing. And he can see. So now the sense of uncertainty goes from this man wanting to be healed to the people who witnessed it. And the passage turns to the reaction of those, some doubt. This is a familiar dynamic to all of us. Well, somebody's lying to us. Somebody is deceiving us. That can't be what we thought it was. In this case, that's not the same guy. That's not the guy that used to lay around the pool. That's somebody different. Somebody's tricked us. Somebody's duped us. And then there's another minority of people that recognize that this is real. No, that is him. And now he can see. So in that uncertainty, there's all kinds of things to cling to, things that we recognize. There's fear. There's a sense of a lack of control. And rather than admit, I have no control. In other words, rather than admit, yeah, that is the guy. What the heck happened? How can this be? How can he see now? It's easier just to say, oh, it's a trick. They're li he's lying. I know that, that, that can't be true. Because that allows me to remain in control over this uncertain situation. It's no less frightening uh, to the people in power, the people on the inside of the temple. They want someone to blame. They want to exert some sort of control over a situation that it appears they have no control over. They want to know who is to blame. Who can I be angry at? Who can I exert control over? And it's interesting, this conversation they have with the parents of the young man. The questions that they're asking, the answers that they're seeking are answers that confirm their story, right? We're in control. Tell us what we need to hear in order to calm this sense of uncertainty, calm this fear. Who's to blame? And the answer that is the best, the answer that we, we love to hear, that we love to read together is from the young man himself after a series of questions and answers and back and forth, all kinds of anger and uncertainty. He says, look, all I know is I was blind, and now I can see. 
You do with that what you will. And Jesus seeks him out uh, toward the end of the passage, finds him. And there's no tortured persuasion that has to go on. There's no series of questions. No one is exerting control. Just acceptance. It's simple. It's as simple as a mud poultice. All I know is I used to not be able to see. And now I can. And it's the kind of transformation, the kind of understanding that this moment, uh, that this predicament that we're all in together provides an opportunity for us to do that. To see. To experience the depth and the immediacy of the living God within us, among us. It's simple. And in the days and uh, the weeks coming up, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, there will be opportunity to notice these kinds of dynamics going on. Uh, all of them with uncertainty. There'll be fear. There'll be a temptation to blame. There'll be a need for control. All we have to do, just notice it. And recognize that no matter the answer to all these questions, no matter what we do, no matter what we don't do, that it's not you, it's not me, it's not the answers to any of these questions that make this moment holy. It is the living God who does that, who is present in the depth of this moment if we only allow that to be revealed. So take heart in this, in all of this uncertainty, all of this going on in all over the world right now, all of this over which we have zero control. There are two ways we can go. We can, we can become overwrought with anger and seeking someone to blame and fear or we can rest and we can know to whom it is we all belong Amen Okay, now it's time that we uh, share announcements and I know that uh, if you've been checking in on our website you've seen uh, that the consistory met this week and we came to the uh, decision that there would be no services, really nothing going on in the church uh, through April the 5th. And we will meet again on the 8th and then we'll decide, you know, what's, what's best uh, after that. So um, 
that I just wanted to make sure to, to reiterate that. The other thing is uh, our, our website, zionuccjc.org, is kind of going to be the hub of where we can all go, uh, you know, to, to, to find these kinds of announcements, and, and we'll continue to put uh, these services um, on that website, and Jill will continue to link it to our Facebook page so we can stay contacted uh, that way. So all the stuff that, that was planned essentially through the 5th has, has been postponed or canceled. Um, one of the things that uh, we're going to continue to do is, is uh, meet with the confirmands. We'll do that remotely. We'll do that through Zoom. We did it the first time. It was good. We'll do it again uh, this Sunday. So thank you uh, to the confirmands. Thank you to everyone who's agreed to uh, be a part of those uh, classes for the next uh, six weeks or so. We'll continue to meet. We'll just make sure that that, that happens. Um, the potluck that was scheduled for the 29th has been uh, has been canceled. I should say postponed, and hopefully we'll be able to do that. Um, uh, the food pantry collection is going to be a little tricky. If you can make it by the church, I see that the, some of the, the cart is is beginning to fill up again. And uh, if you can make it by the church on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday morning when uh, Jill or I are in here, you can do it that way. Uh, or you can call me and we'll find a way. We can come and pick it up or something. Uh, Heifer International is going to be different. That's just going to be one of the things that we just have to wait on. Uh, this, the beautiful emptiness, remember the table we got up here at the front, uh, and there's a few things on there, but it remains, for the most part, beautifully empty. Uh, but it was a ritual that, uh, that Jill put up for us and just ways to kind of mark through the Lenten season uh, the times we are mindful of God being active in our lives, and we put a memento up there. So on this Sunday, uh, we were going to write the name of someone you love on a small piece of paper uh, and, uh, and pass it back and forth with one another uh, and then maybe put those on the table. Uh, so uh, we were going to actually hold hands while we passed the piece, which is kind of ironic. We probably wouldn't be doing that uh, this Sunday. Uh, but I, I just bring that up to help you be mindful of, of the people in our lives that, uh, that we cherish. And it's a good time. Uh, it's a good time to take stock of all those people. And then for the 29th, uh, and I'll just read this. It says, as you arrive on paper provided, write or draw a picture of someone who has caused you to grieve or something that has caused you to grieve. Uh, a person or a pet who's passed away, those kinds of things, your, a beloved home or city that you had to leave, etc. cetera. Uh, so, uh, so this week uh, we're talking about the people that we love. Next week we're mindful of the things that we've lost. So all of those are, are, are great things to do and be mindful of during Lent. I'll remind you again uh, next week. Um, and again, if you're concerned about upcoming events, just go to our website and look at that. Um, one of the things we talked about at Consistory is putting together some sort of a Bible study that we could do over Zoom. And um, I've talked with uh, John Austin about it. You remember we were starting the Lenten study of the Psalms through Lent, and John has agreed uh, that we could do that on Wednesday nights. And, and he and I will meet in the church, and then we'll, we'll, I'll send out invitations on Zoom to anybody who wants to do that. 
And this is something I'll send text to people on, so you can give me your email address and I'll make sure. Uh, Zoom is an easy thing to use. I think people on the consistory are finding how easy it is and our confirmands are too. So hopefully through the rest of Lent, that'll be a way uh, that we can get together and see one another's faces. It's a lot better than just uh, listening to uh, you know a podcast on the internet. So thank you, John, and, and we'll look forward to that. And like I said, I'll send out uh, announcements uh, for that. Okay, let's transition to uh, an attitude of prayer. I know that there are people and there are situations and all kinds of things uh, that people are are concerned about. And so just wherever you're sitting or standing, uh, whatever you're doing, just try uh, to settle in and be present. And uh, let's begin our prayer together. Creator God, thank you for this time. As strange as it sounds to say to our ears to hear, we are grateful for the virus. We are grateful that it has brought us together, that it reveals to us the things that mean something, the people we love, the situations we value, the community that is Zion. We are grateful uh, for this community of faith, this place where we are learning who we are. We are learning how to sense you, your presence in all of our lives, the time that that takes, the space that that takes, the trust that that takes. We know that there are those in our congregation who grieve, those who are missing someone, those who've lost a set of circumstances that were valuable and meaningful in their lives. We pray that we might be a source of consolation for them. Lord, we continue to ask for healing in the lives of J.D. and Jolene. We ask that Dale, Shirley, and Jolene be mindful of your presence and be aware of our love for them, our support for them. We continue to pray for Tom and Vicki and Marielle. We pray for Losa. We are grateful that Alex is back home and we pray that he continues to recover. Lord, we pray for Evergreen and Eric down in Texas and others uh, who are away. We pray for those who suffer as a result of this virus. We pray for all the health workers. We pray for those making decisions that those decisions would be informed by your presence and your mercy. There are names and situations that I've forgotten. We are grateful that you are here even in this virtual world. And we conclude
again this Sunday praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for being present again uh, this Sunday uh, for, for members of the congregation and those who are not members of the congregation. Thank you uh, for being with us for this virtual uh, worship service on the 22nd of March. Um, thank you, John Austin, for helping. Uh, thank you, Mary and Carly, for singing. And I want to encourage any of you, uh, if you need anything, uh, get in touch with, with me uh, or go to our website, zionuccjc.org. God has no body now on earth but ours, no hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands. Ours are the feet. Ours are the eyes. We are his body. Amen.